Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is at work at thesoundhealthportal.com. Earlier this week, I was the volunteer for Sherry was doing a workup on liver profile or fatty liver. And so I was a volunteer for that show. And so I got to be in the live usage of the Sound Health Portal. And it really is, it's amazing to watch Sherry just go through it because there's just so much potential charts. She's really designed the system now so that, and she's always evolving. There was like a new chart I hadn't seen. And I was like, what's that? Where'd that come from? And she's just always thinking of a new way to express the information. So I really highly recommend it. And if you want to see any replays, I'll back, I'll do this backwards today. If you want to find out more about the Sound Health Portal, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the Classes tab, then scroll down to Portal Presentations, and you can see any one of the recent demos that Sherry has done online where you get to watch from the beginning of her doing the intake of the voice all the way through running it through the software and showing just it's a lot of information, especially when Sherry goes down the rabbit hole of figuring something out. There's a lot of charts and information that can happen. It's a wonderful resource. You can go to the soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to the current campaigns. Campaigns are those which you can use for free, and those campaigns rotate. And some of the campaigns currently are neuroplasticity, corona conflict, biodiet, and let's say neuroplasticity is one of my favorites because it looks at how things are firing in the brain and what might not be working or what is working or if you have this or that. or It's really wonderful. And then you scroll down a bit further and you sign up for a free membership and then the system will walk you through doing two 30 to 40 second recordings directly from your computer. I do recommend rather than just shouting at your computer and plus since everybody is zooming everything all the time now did you get this really easy to carry around Samsung Go mic. It's really handy. It's only a couple inches long. You can it's got a built-in sort of protection device. It comes in a little case. So you plug the Samsung Go mic into your computer and then you can do the recordings and you submit those recordings with the campaign that you want and within 2 to 24 hours you'll get back an email with the results. And I suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing it because there's a lot of material there. And apparently the Sound Health Portal is an extraordinary piece of work. And you can do it from anywhere. I actually carry the Samsung Go mic with me. So when I'm visiting friends at a distance, I can hook up my Go mic to their computer, log to the soundhealthportal.com, and have them do an intake right there. It's really, really nice. To hear a replay of today's show, which I know people are going to want to hear and share, you can do that by going either to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, then click on Sound Health Radio, and today's flyer will be at the top, and the replay link back to the show notes will be there. And you can also, at the top of the screen now, we have both Pocket Casts and Stitcher, so if you, let's say you click on the Stitcher link, it'll bring up a page with a list of recent shows. We have hundreds of hours now. And you can click on the link for Stitcher. The list will appear. You can click on this show today to rehear it. And or there are also usually either dots, 
the three dots or the hamburger, which is the three horizontal lines. And you can click on that, and that'll have an option for you to share. And you can just email it directly from within either of those apps and share it with your friends for people who are, oh, dare we say, care about the environment in this particular case and other areas, expansive thinking areas. I like both of those apps a lot. I use Pocket Cast a great deal because it has a lot of features that I like. And or in iOS, you can go in and find the built-in app called Podcasts, and you can search for either Sherry Edwards or Talk to Me Guy, and you can then just subscribe, and that'll just show you when the newest show comes up. In Android, you go in and the Google choice is Google Podcasts, and the same thing. You search for either Sherry Edwards or Talk to Me Guy, and you'll have the you'll find the link there to be able to listen to it and or replay right on your phone, which is really handy for those of us that listen to a lot of stuff on our phones, which I do. With that, as the foremost leader in the field of contagious and osmotic energy, known as viral analogy, Penelope Jean Hayes is the founder of the Viral Energy Institute for Personal, Interpersonal, and Planetary Well-Being. She's appeared on television hundreds of times, including as an expert guest for Dr. Phil, ABC News, plus internationally, and is the author of the best-selling book, The Magic of Viral Energy, as well as two volumes of the title, The Likely Future, and the much-talked-about book, Do Unto Earth. Penelope taps into spiritual wisdom through a process that she calls osmotic energy balancing, which is a type of cognizant meditation that allows her to access and channel her stream of higher self-consciousness. Additionally, she hosts Penelope, a podcast show, and co-hosts the hot news show called Spiritual Yada. Penelope joins us to talk about Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. Welcome, Penelope. Hi there, Richard. How are you? I'm pretty good. We're, yeah. we're in very, we were talking a bit backstage and we're in very different climates. You're in balmy weather, and I'm in drizzly cold weather. We're on the opposite ends of the United States. So, yeah, so it's actually hard to remember that it's winter where I am because it is so nice and warm here in southern Florida. <laughs> I can't wait to come and study at the Viral uh, Institute. We'll yeah. talk about that down the yeah. road because I saw some of the pictures. I thought, oh, yeah, what's not to like about great. that? <laughs> <Well>, like <laughs> tremendous. It has a very zen feel to it. And I could see you here, actually. I was thinking about that with the work that you do and work that Sherry does. I see some synergies there for sure. Definitely, definitely. Was Now, as we talked backstage, I, when I study for a guest, I read their book, I watch videos online, I listen to other interviews. So it's a big field. So I can't quite remember the source of this. But I remember you talking or read about this. Was sitting in the forest and being in the forest on a regular basis and hanging out with the great owl mm -hmm. an opening and aha for you? Absolutely. You know, my background, in terms of my professional background, I had been in public relations, and that moved into a television career. And also, I did some radio work as well. However, I always wanted to bring in my spiritual and metaphysical interests into the work that I did. So I remember when I was doing popular culture news for ABC News, 
I was always trying to bring in these um, these topics of interest, but it was really not the place for that. But in terms of the story you're talking about, I had gone through some difficult times in my life and decided I was going to change everything. And so I did, in fact, change everything. I moved. I started a whole new life and really dove into what I really wanted to do with my life. And part of that included daily meditation And then there was this one day that I had been meditating in the forest. And at that point, I had already been in the forest for several hours. And suddenly, it felt like everything changed. The energy dynamic changed. And the animals started responding to me differently. They kind of acted as if I wasn't there and came very close to me. And this giant owl did fly in and sit directly in front of me. And we shared space. For, you know, Richard, it might have been 10 minutes, it might have been 20 minutes. It's hard to tell when you're spending time in a forest without a watch, but it was an experience that had me realize that when you synchronize your energy with the energy around you, whatever that is, in this case, the energy of nature, you pick up that energy through osmosis. So you are able to synchronize with the greater energy around you. So I started writing the concept of viral energy and that's how it started. I heard a story recently or read a story by uh, Paul Nicklin, who's the founder of the sea legacy and he was in Alaska. He's a photographer and he was in Alaska photographing bears and he spent a huge amount of time in Alaska photographing flora and fauna. And he was laying by a stream trying to get bears across the stream And as he was laying there, a big bear, is there a small bear? A bear came walking up very close to him, went in, caught a salmon, sat down close enough to him where he could hear the bear breathing, Mm -hmm. ate his salmon, and then took a nap, and Mm -hmm. then got up and walked away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it really is the, you know, I thought of your example, and then I thought of him with that. I mean, yours is peaceful. His is like... I can't imagine having a bear just walk up next to you. I've been close enough to bears and that's mm-hmm. more than I need. And it was just, I, it's that amazing thing. When you set into the harmony of a space, you become somewhat part of that harmony and the animals don't see you. They don't perceive you as anything other than part of the space. Mm-hmm. I think animals are already in sync. That's exactly right. So you synchronize with that energy and so you are incapable of causing harm to them. So it's similar to when we raise our consciousness. So this is the premise of the work that I do is to help people raise their consciousness to their higher self-consciousness, to raise that vibration that is you, that vibration that is in your internal power engine And when we raise our vibration to those higher levels, we are now incapable of hurting others, starting wars, fighting with people, hurting animals. And the animals sense that. So they're sensing when you are synchronized with that energy around you, that energy of nature, the animals are sensing that you're one with them. So they can tell through, they have more than the senses that we have. Of course, they have their six and beyond. And they can tell that you are not going to hurt them. So it's a really interesting thing. And that was that moment for me, that precipice of studying this. And I've now been doing that for many years. Hmm. And 
I was going to skip this, but I can't help but ask about being on Dr. Phil. What was he interested in? I don't think of him as I do have a judgment. I admit I have a judgment. I'm not at one with Dr. Phil. I'm definitely in judgiveness with Dr. Phil. And I don't think of him as an interested party. He's more like, I know, and I'm the guy. And so I'm interested, <laughs> like, what were you talking to Dr. Phil about? And what sure. was that so like? I was on his show as an expert, but not an expert of energy per se. At that time, it was the time that I was on ABC News as a, so I had a segment called Pop News with Penelope. So the idea was talking about popular culture, celebrity dish. And I was okay. actually on Dr. Phil for a celebrity suicide. So I was there as an expert. And I did in my time with him work in these concepts. And the idea was how can somebody kind of mitigate the circumstances of their life? And in this case, it was a celebrity, the pressures of society, the pressures of celebrity. And so that was kind of the angle on that. But as far as Dr. Phil himself, he is great. He is such a wonderful Mm. guy. I had such a great time with him. We had a wonderful conversation and Then we spend a little bit of time after the show together. He came to the green room um, to meet my husband who was waiting in the green room. And I really, really enjoyed Dr. Phil. I found him to be such a down to earth, lovely individual. And uh, I just can't say enough about him. He's actually a really great guy. All right. I take some of my judginess back. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, do see, I do see that there's a, there's a side of the show that would lend to a certain maybe dramatic or um, melodramatic, you know, it's, there's some reality television to that. So I can see where you can make some assumptions, but he himself, a wonderful person. Okay. All right. I'll, be, I'll put him in a different <laughs> column now. Um, I want to ask about viral energy. Since yeah. you wrote this great book about the magic of viral energy, what mm-hmm. are contagious and osmotic energies? So viral energy is the contagious nature of energy in social interactions and the environments all around us. So we know on simple terms that laughter is infectious, a smile is contagious. And we also know that to be true for those heavy energies, those negative energies and examples of that are you know what we see every day in the news so we can't really expect to inundate ourselves with a certain energy frequency and not pick that up so the osmosis part the osmotic energy balancing is that example of being in the forest so you can do that in the forest you can do that with nature these days they call that nature bathing right but back when when i started doing this there wasn't really that um that title for it But people are doing this all the time, whether you're aware of it or not, you are marinating in a certain energy vibration. So we hear a lot about the law of attraction in recent years and recent couple of decades, actually, you know, law of attraction, everything. And law of attraction is the like attracts like. So people start wondering then as they're studying law of attraction, if they are putting out a vibration, a thought into the world that it could possibly be attracting bad things to them. And so the problem then becomes, what if you're having a bad day? You're having a bad day or you're having a bad month. Maybe you're even having a bad year. People can be going through some things. And so when they're looking at law of attraction alone as how energy lives and works, they're kind of missing 
part of the equation that would actually be rather helpful to them to know, and that is the viral energy. So through just passively being in whatever your environment is, you then pick up that vibration and you also contribute to the energy around you. So energy is contagious. You are contributing to energy and it is contributing to you. So that's the osmotic part of it. So there's an awareness and mindfulness that we need to, to um, incorporate. Well, if we go back to talking about animals, I can't imagine, let's say wolves who are very pack oriented and very much always aware of each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I think animals really can't imagine being out of harmony because if you're out of harmony, particularly with your surroundings, you could be not paying attention. You mm-hmm. could be, you know, they, they live very much in the moment, but they also live always aware of each other. We see it more portrayed, even in Disney films, uh, we see it much more portrayed when you see the antelope around the gathering hole, watering hole, and then somebody looks up and then everybody looks up. They're like mm-hmm. very, and it's not just from seeing them. They all sort of, I'll say, call, I'll call it feel something mm-hmm. or they sense something or they smell something. I think they don't separate out like, I smelled that. Wow, what's that? I think they just have an alert system and it could mm-hmm. be a sound. It could be a smell. It could be any number of things. But animals can't imagine being out of harmony with their surroundings, whereas we seem to have issues with being in harmony with each other. But that's a whole other show, maybe. Well, you know, (laughs) for just a minute into a little bit of philosophy, I would say that that is the, you know, the free will that we talk about, that animals without free will, they're vibrating perfectly. You know, they're in perfect harmony with the whole because they're connected to that network. And without choosing to be disconnected, they are connected to that entire network. And so they live very harmoniously. You see birds as they fly in flocks and the entire flock will move simultaneously from direction to direction as one organism. And there's a communication system there that is not even telepathic. It is an energy communication because they are connected within their network so perfectly. So you look at human beings and with the, what free will is to me is the choice to be part of that whole or not, to be connected or not. And as we look at our greater environment right now, it becomes very clear that we have chosen to be so very disconnected to the ecosystem that we are part of. You know, we um, dispose of our garbage and we don't know where we're getting our energy and our fuel. Um, We don't know where our food comes from. In recent years, the last 60 plus years, things have changed dramatically. No longer small farms. We've got factory farming and a lot of industry has changed the way we now do not see the chain of everything that we're part of. And so by not seeing the pieces of the entire chain, we only look at this little chunk in front of us. And so all of us very good people are allowing ourselves to do different things that we do very mindlessly regarding our environment. As one example, because we're not seeing the full chain, we're not looking at the entire ecosystem of that. And so that is that choice. We are choosing that. 
And as we get more out of a harmony, I think that as somebody who talks a great deal about the environment, I always, I always tie together environment and our health because it, it blows my mind that we allow the environment to become so polluted. And then mm-hmm. we wonder why there are so many people that are so sick. I'm not saying that there is an illness by itself, but in my long time uh, looking at health, there's always some or a lot of times there's a, there's a total, what I call total, total toxic load. So there's a relationship to what's going on in the soil or the air or the water that we're just sort of like, oh, it'll be fine. Like you still hear scientists say that, well, the ocean is really big. We don't have to worry about that. I'm thinking, really? Really? Well, um, and we know that's not true. And sometimes we really have to use common sense, which is tremendously lacking with a lot of people. We know that when they had the bushfires in Australia, it was only a couple of weeks before the smoke hit um, areas in North America. You know, we know that we have pollution in our oceans that when a plane goes down or there's some sort of a, a crash or, you know, some something happens in the ocean, it's not long before these pieces start washing up on shores far away. So we know that's not true. We now have the great Pacific garbage patch and garbage plastic has collected from all over the world in this giant island now floating in the Pacific Ocean. There's actually two of them and together it's the great Pacific garbage patch. So we know these things to be true, but we allow, you know, we, we do this all the time. We allowed many things. We allow ourselves to do many things and to justify many things because we don't want to change. I'm not quite ready to ask about PACS yet, but I'm really close <laughs> because I know there's some, there's some great solutions. There's some great solutions in here. In your work as a viral analogist, mm-hmm. let's say somebody comes to the workshop at your institute, mm-hmm. the stunningly beautiful institute. Do you see a shift in them in in their thinking of becoming aware of others or acknowledging others or understanding that what I do affects you and what you do affects me versus I'm here and I'm the thing and I've got the thing? Uh, yeah. Is there a shift there? Absolutely. Is that the goal? Is that the goal of the? Is that one of the goals of the of the institute it. is it to is help people shift? It is exactly the goal. There's so much to talk about here to unpack, Richard. I wouldn't even, I'm trying to figure out where to start, but I have to say that for me, what started this was my deep love for Mother Earth and for the animals of Mother Earth. And going back many, many years ago, I was trying to figure out how to live my life's purpose. I was very clear what that purpose was. I had the gift of knowing what my purpose was which I think is, causes a lot of um, even depression for people when they're not sure what their purpose is. So I had this gift of knowing that it was, you know, how do I do that? How do I do that? How do I accomplish this? And I had listened to the radio and there was a story one day of someone who dragged their German shepherd puppy behind their truck and mm. all the onlookers and other vehicles on this highway saw this happening. And they called into the police. Well, as the story goes, um, nothing really happened to this individual. He was charged with cruelty to animals, but there was no real repercussions. At the time, I think it was a $500 fine, uh, nothing very serious. This was just before the year 2000, I believe it was, late, late 90s. And I was so upset by this 
I started this petition, you know, to raise the penalties for this crime of animal abuse. And they did do that. They did actually raise the, the, the penalties, but still nothing changed. And over many years, I decided that the way to change the world is to raise consciousness. And that we, when we ascend through our choice to our higher selves, that we're no longer capable of hurting each other, hurting animals, you know, abuse um, of children, all of these things, warring, they all become obsolete when we raise consciousness. So when I set out to establish the Viral Energy Institute, it was this was going to be the modality, raising consciousness through the viral and contagious nature of energy, spreading love, basically spreading higher consciousness virally throughout the world and that is the idea and it does work and when people come to the institute first of all they're coming as seekers so they're already they want to be there they're making a choice and they you know it it does feel great you're raising your consciousness through many different modalities it certainly feels great to to be in that space and i believe it's life-changing and they take that with them well i've had the experience of being in various groups down through the multiple decades of being in group where whether it's uh, let's say with Amachi or Lazarus or mm-hmm. Mafu or mm-hmm. I could just keep listing people. I'm not a mm-hmm. devotee. I'm an observer and, and interested. And I mm-hmm. remember, let's say with uh, Lazarus where you have five or 600 people in a room and we all go at the, he, he guides you into meditation. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing thing to be with 500, six, five to 600 people. And you know what? that there are people in the audience that you don't agree with about something or perhaps someone. I won't name any yeah, names, but they could be presidential. And they, but yet when you all come together in group, there's an amazing shift. Mm-hmm. Or with Jack Canfield, that was another one when I've been on the same thing where it's a massive quantity of people and you go into a state of, sort of quiet ease, you can call it meditation, but it really is extraordinary how it can shift things. So to take that energy and pump it into the viral field Mm -hmm. seems to have stupendous potential. Well, that's exactly right. So when you come together, it's a collective or collected, you can say it either way, consciousness. And when you're actively setting out through your intention to raise consciousness, and being led through meditation and coming together as like minds in the raising of consciousness, it does go out into the world. It's a viral. One of the things that we do at the Viral Energy Institute is a meditation for Earth. It's called Global Viral Contemplation, which is the practice. And we have developed an actual meditation soundtrack called Earth's Voice. And that is a beautiful track developed by a woman in France who's one of the teachers at the Institute. Her name is Erin Kahn, and she's a sound therapist and does incredible work, and it's all done through her voice, and she does calls of whales and all these different um, pieces to the, I believe it's a 20-minute long track, all done through her voice as well as charged water. So she charges the ions in water and has these um, bowls of water around her while she's doing it. So that track is called Earth's Voice, but the, the process, anybody can do it with um, any sound or no sound at all, just thought, and that's called global viral contemplation. So we encourage people to send positive thoughts to Mother Earth and to people all over the world, and that thought itself is contagious, and thought goes out into the world, and that through your 
positive thoughts for the healing of Mother Earth, that you can raise the vibration of others, even though they are sitting there passively and not necessarily part of your process, that you can send out that positivity through your thoughts into the world. And when you do that with more than one person, you know, coming together with many people, it's just that much more powerful. It's really not that different, Richard, to the way, you know, radios can pick up from the transmitter to the receiver and it's nothing that we saw, you know, there's no cord involved and yet somehow magically that happens. That's energy. Well, I, it makes me think of, um, I often refer to Bruce Lipton because he was an influence in the early days. Mm-hmm. I saw, saw him lecture when his first book came out, mm-hmm. which I can never remember the title of. I should have that near here. And he was talking about the cells well, what I term as the cells, our cells are listening. And so he was talking about the influence of everything, meaning environmental load, mental toxic load, the total, what I call that toxic load picture of everything mm-hmm. having an influence on the cell. And he went on to explain that cells have receptor sites and they're much like antennas. They're mm-hmm. keyed to very specific, each, each cell has hormone receptor sites and those little hormone receptor sites are keyed. So the wrong hormone or the, the, the hormones can only go where they belong, I'll say. Mm-hmm. But also he, he, t- he spoke to how they're also influenced by environmental factors. Mm-hmm. So this goes right to what you're talking about with broadcasting on radio. I think this is why I do what I do because I believe in the potential effect of change using the voice. And being and doing radio and getting it into the airwaves, whoever hears it. I mean, who knows who's going to hear this show in wherever? I don't know. It's it's an amazing possibility, and I think we can do that. And I and I've been in online events with I I had forgotten I don't know why, but I had forgotten as you were talking about that. I thought about being on an online online event with the Dalai Lama where he was doing hour long meditations. Mm-hmm. And, and it was fun to watch the video part because he's so very casual about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, some people are, are serious about how they present and he is so not. <laughs> he is the opposite of like, there's always a sense of humor about it, even when he's in, has you in deep trance of sorts or in mm-hmm. a deep state. It's an amazing thing just to see and experience. He's in Tibet or I'm not sure where he is now. That's like far away, man. But mm-hmm. we're still getting that vibe worldwide somehow in the viral network. Exactly. And we know this to be true. And speaking of sound, we also know that there's been so many tests now at this point of the sound impact on plants. And when you send them the, the sound vibrations that are harmonious and highly vibrating pure sounds, they grow well and they thrive. And when you play for them sound that is hard to hear and an assault to the senses, they shrivel up and die or just have stunted growth. And that is the same as what Bruce mentions in his book. And I believe his first book might have been The Biology of Belief. But he Thank is you. talking about that too, that, you know, this cannot be denied any longer. There's so much science on this. And yet we still go through our lives very unconsciously of what we're taking in. And that's what I encourage people to be mindful of with the viral energy work is to understand that even though you can't see it, 
it affects you and you affect the energy around you. And when you affect the energy around you and those people around you, this affects your companionability, your earning potential, how people respond to you, how well your relationships are going to go, how well you do at your job. There are impacts. So why not pay attention to it? I remember I was uh, doing a show. I was doing a whole life expo. And the first time I heard about something called Sonic Bloom, which Mm -hmm. was sounds that really straight looking farmers and that's not derogatory. I mean, just like people you wouldn't expect were playing sounds. Sonic Bloom was, was an audio track that was played to plants and they were more prolific and happier and healthier and whatever you want to call all the positive thing of greater output. Mm -hmm. And there were farmers there who were using, um, Acres USA, who's a very, it's an old ag magazine. And it's just like, again, not derogatory, but I mean, just regular people who are growing, who have Mm -hmm. had their hands in the soil forever, (laughs) but they're playing sound to their plants. And it's mind blowing because you just Mm -hmm. don't think, you know, they're just guys on a tractor. Uh huh. But yet they're playing music to to their plants that things have changed, right? It used to be that it was, you know, you would think of like the flower children or, you know, a certain 70s type, you know, used to be called new age or new thought. Now I think new thought is just thought. And I am surprised all the time at people that come to the Institute or people that resonate with this information, metaphysics and spirituality. Like I'm talking people who are, I do journalism, um, if you've read my background. So I've interviewed some interesting people in the U.S. military and the Air Force generals. And everybody who I speak to resonates with this. It's so mainstream now to be able to talk about these things that it's no longer fringe. Well, for example, see, I knew we're going to do another show. I'm telling you already. I, can, I know we're going to do another show. It blew my mind when I discovered that the HeartMath Institute, which trains people on how to do heart rate variability, Uh which is a whole conversation, but you know what that is. Mm -hmm. And so the military uses HRV, heart rate variability, meters with snipers. Uh And that's because when you're a sniper and you're laying on a hill, setting aside what they're doing, let's just put that over there. Uh But they're on a hill and they're using HRV to get themselves into a calm state because you may be there for hours before your assignment appears and you want them to not be in anxiety. I mean, that just to think of the crossing those worlds, I've known about H heart math Institute for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so it blew my mind like what? Because most of the people I knew, I am from that hippie generation. So most of the flower child, you know, sort of like HRV, oh, that's totally cool. We go into harmony and blah, blah, blah. So the idea that that's crossed over into the military and snipers is like mind-blowing. So, yeah, the the veils are being lifted in a very interesting way. So I think it's exciting. If you know about this and they know that there's usefulness to it, then everyone else should start catching on as well that this is valuable at all levels, to all people, no matter what your job is, no matter what your vocation is, 
no matter what you want to pour into your personal life or your spiritual life or the work that you do, you know, that energy that is you matters and it it is what you are creating your life with. It's the fuel for everything you create and how you do it and how well you do it. And how great it is to be more at ease doing it. I mean, there's always, there's lots of time for panic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's an available thing. But how nice to, um, you know, being coming from a, what some would call a more centered place where your energy is gathered so that you're, uh, I've spent a lot of time watching samurai films, old school, mm-hmm. classic samurai films. And there's always that moment when they pause where they get hyper-focused. You can see them take a deep breath and then they go. Mm-hmm. And even in um, sumo wrestling, the referee will not lower his hand until he sees the breathing rates of the two wrestlers match up. Mm-hmm. As soon as we they go into synchronous. Yeah, we used to, going back in our earlier times, we used to honor these things. You know, looking at the First Nations peoples around the world, they had it right in so many ways. And they tapped into their sixth sense and other senses beyond and were really utilizing so much more of their potential than we seem to do or many of us seem to do these days. So we really need to, for, for everything, for our environmental wellness and for our, even our personal development, we need to return to the ways of the First Nations peoples to speak to them, to learn from them to return to so much of those ways that they knew to tap into their higher abilities. There's great benefit to scuffing in the earth. (laughs) It's what I call doing ceremony where you're scuffing in the earth. You're around a fire, you're gathered. We used to gather, even, you know, cave people sat and gathered and talked about the day and like, Oh, where's Bob? Bob, where's Bob? Oh, that's not good. Bob's gone. Um, you know, it, 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 when life was get out, get out of the cave, go get some food, get back and don't die. That was mm-hmm. sort of the agenda of every day. And so even then they gathered in groups and sat around fire and might have some kind of scuffing in the earth ceremony or chanting or singing or storytelling. But there was gathering and we've lost a lot of that. I think oh. online work like what you and I are doing right now is part of regaining that we we're there's a community of people listening and you're a community advocate and i'm a i'm a kind of community advocate and we're putting our vocal prints out into the cosmos and i think there's benefit to that there's a lot of benefit to it and things are changing and the virus has really expedited the change in these technologies and more people getting on zooms and having conferences this way and the realization that we can live anywhere we want and still work in many cases, not all. And that these are benefits and it's always how you use the technology, isn't it? I mean, technology in and of itself is not good or bad. It's how we use it. So we're using it for living out our life's purpose and following our passions. I believe that passion is the pointer to purpose. So for anybody who's wondering what their life purpose is, you know, follow, follow the passion. And set the, and set down the game controller before you do that. <laughs> gaming is yeah. not a passion. Game, gaming is a, a dopamine issue. Um, well, I want another drug, right? You know, it's just um, 
it's a, you know, it starts as a babysitter sometimes, and it ends up being something that allows um, for procrastination and avoidance and kind of like a drug where, you know, do this instead of think about life and think about what we really want to do with our life. So yes, allow for some space, create some space to truly live. Mic drop. Um, I want to ask, we're going to, we're going to do a whole nother show about PACs, but I, I just can tell that we will. And, but I want to ask about how did you and PACs meet? Sure. Okay. So just to kind of tie some bows around things we've been talking about is actually information from my first book, which is titled The Magic of Viral Energy, which does segue into the second book. So after I wrote the first book on viral energy, which has been very popular and is the premise for the work that we do at the Institute, the second book was going to be an extension of that. And that book was scheduled to be titled Do Unto Earth, taking the viral energy message from personal and interpersonal goals to planetary wellness. And the idea was that viral energy is also in masses. So not just energy exchange between people and how that affects your, you know, again, companionability, earning potential, how this really applies to your life. But now looking at what's so important to me and near and dear to my soul is the idea of wellness of all of the planet and all peoples and unity among peoples. And so how is viral energy affecting, how are we affecting energy pockets around the world and how are those energy pockets then affecting us in return so you look at industries and the scars energetic scars that war has left on the planet in different areas so this would give you a little example of what those large masses of viral energy good or bad might look like or or be palpable like because it's a it's actually palpable to people who can sense energy And so this was the book, Do Unto Earth. And as I got into that and I had a a skeleton of what that book would be about environmental healing and repair, I figured I'd be approaching this from a journalistic perspective, as I do with many things. And instead, I was contacted from an intuitive in British Columbia, Canada, named Carol Serene Borgens. She and I had been acquainted already. I had gone to her for some spirit channeling sessions. She does um, sessions with people, individuals of different things. Maybe it's their, uh, they have questions about their life. And I had gone to her for some questions always about the work that I do. You know, um, this next book, would it be published? Would it be successful? These were some of the questions. And so Carol, who channels the spirit entity PAX, had been aware of what I was doing. And so one day I get a phone call from Carol saying that PAX, the spirit energy that she channeled asked her to reach out to me and that PAX wanted to offer wisdom and support from the spirit world for the viral energy Institute. So that's how it started. And of course this was, you know, knock me off my chair. This is very exciting stuff. The spirit world would like to contribute to the work that I'm doing. I mean, talk about an affirmation. So it started off as that. And very quickly we realized that this was the book due unto earth. And so now it's a, published, finished, beautiful, 450-page, gorgeous book that includes everything from the formula and blueprint to environmental healing. 
and a really fun read too. It's not this litany of problems. It's all of the solutions. It's a super fun read, but it's also this ride that reads like a movie because Pax allowed me to just ask anything, you know, all of my curiosities. And it was sort of like, you know, go for it. Just ask anything you want. And so I did. I asked what happened at Roswell. I asked if people are aliens to planet Earth because we seem out of balance with this planet. I asked how the pyramids were built. What happened to Amelia Earhart? Why are there anomalies in the Bermuda Triangle? I asked everything. And this is in Do Unto Earth now. And we realize that these questions are actually pivotal to environmental wellness that Pax says that I see that the way to your people will be through your curiosities. So it is because the book is so fun to read and so completely fascinating that he said this will be how we will wrap it, the formula for your environmental healing. And he says that we have eight to 12 years left on planet Earth before a fail-safe point is reached. And that's not the end of the world. That is the point in which it would become too late for us to repair if we continue on this trajectory. So you look at this movement among our young people right now, and you look at me being contacted by the spirit world to write the book, Do Unto Earth. These things are happening now for a reason. And that is because we are at that point and that we can't kind of go along blindly anymore, that this is, this is it, people. It's basically what Pax is saying. And I know you probably have questions, Richard, and I'll just stop by saying I wanted to just clarify who Pax is. So Carol, who channels Pax, knows Pax as an energy that flows through her. So she has an understanding in kind of an intimate way of, of what that energy is. When I got involved as a journalist, my background in journalism, I want to know everything. I want to know who I'm talking to. So one of my very first questions was exactly that. I, I would like to know exactly who you are. And here's the response. It's a direct quote. Pax says to me, this is before we had the name Pax. He says, we are one with the universe, not the universe alone. We are the divine universe, yes, and the God being and the greater wisdom, that which knows and supports all and is healing, non-judgmental and tolerant, all seeing, all knowing and peace, end quote. So I was like, you know. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, wow. just that. Just that. Yeah. Then, as the story goes, Richard, I asked for a moniker, and that's where the name Pax came from. And he said, you can call me Pax. It means peace. And one of my questions, if I was sitting with Pax, one of my questions would be, is there a possible future where the, I believe that the Earth will always be fine? But I mean that from the position of, we could evolve ourselves off the planet. We could destroy the environment so much that we can't make it, or it's going to end up looking like Mad Max. Or, and then once it looks like Mad Max, I think the end is getting much closer. We run out of water, we have issues, and at some point, if we were to evolve off, or evolve ourselves off, because we've made the planet so toxic and everything about it deleterious to our ability to survive, could we just vanish and the planet would start over? Because I believe the planet has the potential to start over if she so chooses. Yeah. That would exactly be a question. Right. And I asked that question, and you are exactly right. So what Pax told me, and it's in Do Unto Earth, is that, paraphrasing here, that Mother Earth will go on. And 
that the eight to 12 years before continuing this trajectory before we reach a fail-safe point is for the health and wellness of us on this planet. And that indeed looking into the future that humankind will go off planet, that we will colonize elsewhere. Our planet will become so polluted that there will be a need to relieve part of the population bearing load on planet Earth and that some will leave and set up elsewhere and that some would stay behind and repair the damage done to Mother Earth, kind of clean up the mess. But yes, if we just all left right now, Mother Earth would heal herself and she has the ability to do that and and Mother Earth will go on. So this planet will not be destroyed. According to Pax, it won't be you know, the, the planet itself being uninhabitable, but that it will certainly be uninhabitable for us. This planet has gone through ice ages and different, which you would think would be a catastrophe event. Well, it would be for many species unable to live through that, but Mother Earth over many millions of years will rebound but we would like for ourselves to have a future here on planet Earth and all of the animals that we love so much to have a future here on planet Earth. And it is a beautiful, you know, I kind of said is, is Earth like the, the fairest of them all for planets out there? Or like what do the other <laughs> planets look like, the other inhabitable planets? They're very far away. We have so much to talk about. He talks about the fuel solution to interstellar travel at light speed, which would give us the ability to get to those places that are more inhabitable. Those are not within any um, system that we have seen or have the ability to get to now. So he gives us a formula for, for the, or where to look for the fuel, which is a no fuel solution. So it's not something that's actually able to be monetized even as a free fuel solution. But so I asked, you know, is, I would just miss this beautiful planet. Like what a shame this would be. And earth really is a special place. And the places that would be places that we could get to with future technologies would not be beautiful like planet earth. I mean, there's no better place that some utopia out there that we would be, you know, biting at the bit to, to go out and recolonize. It would be colonies set up on a surface. So it would be living in environments that, some people would enjoy that environment, you know, maybe beautiful indoor spaces that would be created that I'm sure would be quite beautiful. I myself would like to stay with Mother Earth, you know, so I would not be um, the type who would enjoy living in that environment. But Pax says some people do, and they're, they would be the ones that would be interested to to take care of that part of the mission to go off. But this is a very special planet and a very beautiful planet full of life. We need to take care of it. Yeah, the idea of because everybody picks on Elon Musk, I'm not actually picking on him. I can, but that's a separate uh, conversation. But I say idea of colonizing Mars. Great. So we all live in bubbles? Really? On a hostile planet? That doesn't seem very appealing to me. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't get it. We won't even get to Mars until we change our ways. Pax says the spirit world is blocking us. That, you know, really doesn't make sense, right, Richard, that we haven't gotten past our own moon in all these many years, that the technologies, it's like we're always just on the cusp of the next technology. Well, all of the things they're currently using are not viable. You know, the liquid fuel going up to space, leaving behind space junk, all of these empty fuel cartridges cartridges that are left in space, the spirit world sees that. 
and it goes out into the universe like ripples of our attitude. And while we continue doing what we're doing with our attitudes and intentions to plant flags, monetize space, this is not going to work. It will never get us there. The technologies will be revealed to us. And that's through the consciousness of those scientists. That's how it's revealed. They're getting these ideas from a higher place. And that right now it's being blocked until we start changing our ways. So what Elon Musk is doing in this example, well, um, colonizing Mars, um, I know they're dabbling in it, but it doesn't seem like it is the solution. Well, and how about we pause for a moment and try to slow the roll on trashing everything. We've gone from trashing the earth, thinking that our oceans are a giant recyclable, you know, pond to throw everything into and or now we're doing it in space so i'll say if there are other beings out there watching they're going look they're just doing it to space now they just are i can't use that word on air but i really want to use a bad word on air Mm -hmm. what they're doing to this we're now doing it in space we just dump stuff in space like it's another toilet bowl like, okay, we can just, you know, just throw this stuff. There are rockets and things floating around up there. There's so much stuff floating around. There's trouble sometimes launching things because there's so much bad word floating around in space. So, yeah, everybody's – I imagine they're trying to shield the rest of the cosmos from us because we just look like the the people that move in next door and trash the place. Yeah, we haven't – we are devolving in our attitudes towards our environment right now. But we are on the cusp of something new. There is a movement that has been stirring and it is coming to a point where it has, you know, it, it will be the movement that will change things. We are in that time now. We can be happy and proud to know that we are alive during a time that's going to be very important for the future of our planet. And things will change for the better because people are waking up. And if you could see it, It would be like all of these light bulbs coming on all around the world. And eventually there will be enlightenment to the point that people will stop behaving that way. But right now what has been happening kind of since the industrial revolution, certainly is that the focus is on survival, which translates into, you know, the fear of survival. So I want to get ahead. I want to make the most money. We're going to manufacture everything. We're going to, you know, everything used to be made out of glass, metal, you know, now it's plastic, it can't return to the earth, it off-gasses toxins. You think about the insanity of putting plastic wrap on food and then sticking it in the microwave. With plastic is off-gassing toxins, forever chemicals, because plastic, you know, it's made from crude oil, but there's in addition to that other forever chemicals that are added to it. And we, the consumer, who actually have all of the power, act like we don't. And we seem to think that if they sell it, it must be okay. And we've completely taken out our um, responsibility to find out for ourselves because it's not okay just because they sell it. It's not okay to be dumping poisons on our farmed fields because that would reduce bugs. You know, it's so not okay. And these things are, they're nonsensical. They're no-brainers. And yet we do it. 
and somehow it makes it from field to grocery store and into our cupboards and everyone along the chain is just looking at that one piece. You know, the farmers are just doing what they think is the best thing to be done. Someone sold it to them, so it must be okay. It's allowed by the government. We can have a certain percentage of toxins in our food and that be okay. It's actually to the point of asinine now that we have gone so far away from the farming that once was to now wanting to monetize to the maximum everything and buy the, you know, cheapest of every product that we have really messed things up in a tremendous way. And it's time for people like you and I to continue doing what we're doing to speak our voice, but for every person to realize that they as the consumer have that power and they can change the world just Each and every one person can be a part of changing the world and it will only happen. You know, it's not going to be our political people that change the environment. It's just not. Whether it's this administration or the next, these changes can't be counted on. And what can be counted on is the consumer saying, I'm not buying that anymore. You know, I love the example of the plastic bag at the grocery store and now it's, you know, the paper bag because overnight it became unpopular to take a plastic bag and this was the consumer drove that. So somehow some movement started where it became very unpopular to do the single use plastics. You think of the plastic straws as well. And overnight, then the big stores pivoted to what the consumer wanted. Oh, now we're offering paper bags again. So it will be the consumer that will make this choice or this change. And every single person is part of that. The, <laughs> you said something that brought up a, a point of irritation for me is that when I'm at a restaurant, I see people or I, I talk with people about plastic straws versus paper straws mm-hmm. that it really still blows my mind that how people don't understand the representation of that plastic, that they sort of poo poo, like it's only a plastic straw. And that's, that's the, that's how it begins. It's only mm-hmm. like, Oh, it's only a plastic straw. Well, once you get a couple hundred billion plastic straws, that's a, again, bad word, a lot of plastic. And yet well, people resist the plastic straw, the paper straws. Yeah. Well, I see it all the time actually see it for myself most people aren't able to see where that straw goes I live on the ocean we go to our local restaurant most of them actually do offer paper straws and only paper straws it's become very popular here and I think when you live on the ocean you start to see why and I'll tell you why because when you see that straw blow and they always do there's always that Mm -hmm. ocean breeze they Mm -hmm. blow they go exactly right to the beach you can see it pop across the beach and in the ocean it goes and it will end up in the gut of some poor turtle or fish and kill it. So you can, you can actually see where that goes. So uh, yeah, very unfortunate that someone would not realize what seems so um, basic to understand. seems pretty simple. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm surprised to find that we're at the point at which I need to ask you about where would you like people to find out more about your work and the Institute? And where would you like them to find Do Unto Earth? It's not too late. Yes. Well, thank you, Richard. And I'll definitely love to come speak with you again, because this just time flew. 
So people can find everything linked through my own website, PenelopeJeanHayes.com. That's a really easy place to go because the Institute is linked through there, but that website separately is ViralEnergyInstitute.com. And the book that we're talking about today, this tremendous book, is Due Unto Earth. And I can be a little braggadocious because the information didn't come from me. I just asked the questions. That website is PaxWisdom.com, P-A-X wisdom.com wonderful i knew it was going to fly along and we could do this for hours and we will thank you so much that was great thank you i really everybody have a great rest of the weekend and we'll see you next week bye bye Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.